Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you not entertained? Welcome to History in Technicolor with me, Wolf O'Neill, and... Me, David Crowther. And, uh, David, what film are we doing today? We are doing... Oh, I don't know. Are we doing Gandhi today? I've prepared Gandhi. Nope, that, but that is, I believe, coming at a later date. I think it might be. Today I have selected Rob Roy. Ah, Mr. From Robert... From 1995. Mr. Robert Roy. How fantastic. <laughs> yep. Why did you pick this film, Wolf? Why did you pick this film? Why did you pick this film? Such a versatile actor. Um, I was like, who? Liam Neeson. But then I realized you were talking about yourself. <laughs> I selected this film for you. Huh, like, yes. I did this all for you, David. Did so you? I really do hope that you've enjoyed it. Pop it. We've mentioned it on a number of occasions over the years, and you always tell me that you've never seen it. And I always think, at least from my memory, so this has been a bit of a journey rewatching it, I've always assumed that you would probably get something out of it and you would have like a, a good time watching it. And then I thought it was very interesting to learn that it came out almost exactly at the same time as Braveheart and was completely overshadowed by the other film. Actually, I'd missed that and, wrinkle. Interesting. Yeah, they, they came out, well, at least they came out in the same year. But obviously Braveheart was like a massive box office success and Rob Roy just wasn't. Mm. Um, and I think it just doesn't have the the legacy of the, the other film, which... There aren't many films bigger than Braveheart. Yeah, it hasn't got the national story thing, has it, as we d- discussed last time. Actually, just to interject, I know, because I can't stop talking. That's why I'm a podcaster. Um, I thought I saw this at Sixth Form Film Club. And I think mm-hmm. I, in my mind, I've seen almost every film created at Sixth Form Film Club because my mm-hmm. memory plays tricks but of course i can't were you in sixth form in 1995 no, that's my point uh, i was only, i left sixth form in 1982 
I think. Mm. So obviously didn't quite a gap. film club. Yeah. Anyway, it made a big impression on me, Six One Film Club. I did see Midnight Express, I'm sure. Anyway, keep going. But you've definitely never seen this? No. Okay. Thought I had, but I haven't. A, a brief little summary of the film. It has a really good cast that will talk through all their different roles, but it's led by Liam Neeson, Jessica Lange, Tim Roth, John Hurt, and Brian Cox, as you're like big names. Although there are others that you'll recognize. Um, and the story of the film goes that in the Scottish Highlands in the 1700s, Robert McGregor, an honorable member of his community, decides to try and make something of himself and his town by borrowing money from the local Marquis so that he can buy enough cattle to herd them across Scotland and get a very large sum of payment at the end, enough that he can pay off the loan, rebuild his community, and I know it's something like six times the value if you sell them at this location. But double-crossing ensues, and quickly Rob owes uh, the Marquis of Montrose £1,000 and all of his lands. And obviously Rob doesn't take lightly to this. So, David, what did you think of the film? Did you enjoy it? I did. I had a great time. Uh, I really enjoyed it in many ways, and reasonably uncritically, actually. And I didn't end it thinking anything bad, really. Um, do you want me to tell you why I enjoyed it or should we leave that? Yeah, no, tell me why you enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, uh, it had, uh, I thought, a, a good, clear story. Um, and I think you have to use, when you say it had a good, sto- good story, you have to use the word arc, don't you? You know, to fit into the uh, filming shtick. Is that correct? I mean, I I wouldn't say that. Um, Are you about a proper film critic then? Well, clearly you cannot be a proper film critic if you don't talk about the story arc or the character's development Oh, see, arc. I think I always talk about a character arc. Always. Always. So let's talk about arcs. Anyway, uh, sorry, I'm blathering. So I thought the story was nice and clear, straight, straightforward. You know, had beginning, middle and end. I thought the character development was great. There was, um, you know, these were real relationships and real people you felt. Okay, romanticized in many ways, but, you know, the relationship between Rob and Mary, I thought was nicely led, you know. Obviously, they love each other and all the rest of it, but she's not a cipher in this. So, I mean, I like that. It, It seemed to have layers. I love the depiction of life at the time, um, which I thought was, you know, quite good and quite realistic. Um, again, if romanticized. So, and I thought the silks are just fantastic. Oh, I got a real impression of the sumptuousness of silk that I've never really had before. And for that, I will always remember Rob Roy. Well, the costumes are done by Sandy Powell, who is a world famous oh god costumer right um costumey peut-être she gets nominated for awards every year and her like catalog of work is just unsurpassed right like the absolute pinnacle of like period piece costumes um so of course as soon as i saw her name i was like oh this is going to be good Ar- and it was archibald cunningham's silks are just i don't know why he has impressed me so much but just you know I mean, they sort of 
Oh, they fell around him and the colours, yeah, just fantastic. When he has that really like pastel blue one mm. and then he has that really light pink, almost white one. I don't know. And and then obviously when when he gets this scarred neck and he has to start wearing the extravagant ruffs yes. and like lace wrap. Um yes, the little collars. Yes. Pretty nice. Yes, very nice indeed. And he's a very sharp dresser. You know, forget all the the negative stuff that, you know, we're going to talk about Archibald Campbell as a character. You know, basically, he's a sharp dre- dresser and you can't go far wrong if you're a sharp dresser. I'm sure you'll agree. Um, no, I'm thinking about ZZ Top sharp dresser. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> Excellent. Um, the, yeah, there's a few things that you mentioned which I think are key. Um uh, romanticized is something we would probably talk about the rest of the episode. Like that word sums up this film mm. and kind of its entire approach and the feel of the film. And then you talk about good character building and you can tell you after you're in good hands when it goes through the introduction of the characters and you get that opening scene with Rob and they deliver all of his, like his beliefs and his viewpoints and his like character tropes. Uh, when he is preventing those cattle thieves from stealing the herd. And then, and he, you know, honor is brought up, um, you know, issues of what is right and how to carry yourselves and kind of how he operates as an individual. And then you contrast immediately to the introduction of Archibald alongside Montrose and the two of them kind of a, a bit of a pair. And you get that incredible build up to the duel. Uh, he's really foppish and everyone's um, accusing him of being gay, which is one part of the film. Um, and then he, no one believes he can possibly fight. And then he pulls out his rapier and is just the most lethal fighter around. Um, and they win that bet. And Montrose doesn't even bother to watch the fight. And he knows that he'll just defeat Argyle's greatest fighter. Um, and there's a really good opening, like 10, 15 minutes that sets up your uh, protagonist and your antagonist gives you all of their like main tropes and you kind of you can envisage now how the film is going to proceed forward and i just think it's just competently and nicely done and it it moves at like a decent pace at least to begin with a few other things that i loved you you cannot not enjoy the scenery yeah absolutely um carter burwell's score carter burwell of carol and twilight fame um a great composer. Um, the score is really, um, really enjoyable and creates the mood of the Highlands and it kicks in. And then you see the men from really far away coming over the top of the, the hills. Mm. Um, and you just know that you're going to, it's going to be sumptuous to look at. I had to say um, also, I reflected on sometimes, I mean, obviously that it works very well together. I mean, obviously it works. That's why composing the way they composed it. But um, sometimes it could be a little vomit inducing in terms of, you know, the incredible romanticism. But then because it's mm-hmm. set against this, you know, absolutely fantastic scenery of, of the Highlands, it's kind of okay. It yeah. works. There are actually, there are quite a lot of comparisons to Braveheart right. in this, yes. which we'll kind of pick up on mm-hmm. as you go through. Even if there's similarities, I just don't find anything as annoying in this film as I do with Braveheart. No. Everything just feels a little, slightly more genuine absolutely um and there's like passion and enjoyment in this it should be noted that tim roth's performance as cunningham um did garner him all the accolades Uh, he won the bafta and he was nominated for the oscar for best supporting actor 
and it really is probably the the performance of the film right yeah. and having this genuine genuinely despicable and charismatic villain is just so good to this story and yeah. gives you a proper opponent that you have to like root against and it, rob is really up against the odds like you now have this underdog story where you know montrose has all the power cunningham has all the skill and evil cunning and Rob is just this kind of, I guess, poor farmhand, almost, mm-hmm. um, reduced to, who has to, like, stand up against all of them. Although it's not quite that stark, is it? I mean, he is, right from the beginning, you're, you're aware that Robert, Rob is a very fine fighter and everybody fears and respects him. And his chops in terms mm-hmm. of fighting are demonstrated. And actually, that, that's quite important because the final scene is fantastic and i think wouldn't work if he was just farmhand if he wasn't a notable fighter. yes i i have oversimplified him but i think i think the point that i'm, I'm trying to make is that there there's there's genuine yes. odd like um there's genuine stakes Absolutely. and there's legitimate threat and he is kind of being outnumbered by he's being defeated by a physical swordsmanship by like power and yeah. wealth and then by like societal restrictions in kind of how the economy is working at this time. Yes. I mean, I totally agree with the point. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. He's, 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 he's relative to power. So, I mean, one thing on, on Cunningham that I thought was a misstep, if I'm looking for that, mm-hmm. it's quite hard is suddenly at the end, you get him in this picture of some, uh, you know, some, some lady. And suddenly right at the end, you've, decided to inject some element of sympathy for Cunningham that there is this person that he's longing after and something in his past that might be um sympathetic and I just think why did he bother to do that you know it comes right at the end you've done all the other stuff he's worked great we don't need it anyway small point is that the has, picture that they bring pull out of his? Yeah, he has a little jacket. miniature, and when he's sit, sitting on a bench, uh, he pulls it out and looks at it at one stage. Oh before. yes, um, yeah, it is a bit odd because it didn't really it didn't register with me like at all. Mm. I didn't really think about it. So yeah, yeah, I guess Wives. it doesn't really work. Yeah, um, I have a I have a few negatives, um, and I will ask you what Henry thought. Yes, I'm sorry about that. Because I, I have heard. Mm. I do think, not that it deserves to be compared to Braveheart, and it probably shouldn't be, and it'd be a bit boring to do that all the time. I do feel like, in comparison, it is a, a bit of a slight film. It's got a, quite a small um, story to go through. And I did realise, I was gripped throughout, but at 55 minutes in or something, you realise not a lot has happened. Um, it's a lot of quibbling over debts and who owes what and traveling back and forth talking about these debts. Um, so it isn't the most exciting film all the time. It has a bit of a slow pace. And I also, we're going to talk about him a bit later as this kind of Robin Hood character. I didn't really get any of that like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves fun from it. Uh, the film is a little bit serious. I know it's like really romantic and sweeping, but it's fairly serious. And I I never really got like Rob and his merry men. Um, 
without having like any fun. Everything's quite dour and it's not always, it's, it's not like a romp, um, which brings me to, I guess Cunningham like adds a level of like excitement to the film, but then also it really annoys me, even though I knew it was coming already. The only way that they can like escalate this film is to rape Mary, who's like a fairly developed character in the film. And it's such a tired story trope right? where the villain reveals themselves to be more despicable than you imagined by committing this act. Um, and it's also always designed to um, entice your hero, your lead character to now finally act or like it's the thing that pushes them off the cliff. And I just think it's done a lot and it doesn't, it doesn't interest me as a, as a story trope. Mm. And I think that there are so many ways, especially with this character that you could write this story and still prompt Rob to act and still have this evil character that isn't just done with the, the easiest, most standard kind of like historical. um, Oh yeah. Okay. Let's have him rape some people that, that, that'll be good for the story. It's, it's not good. And it's not fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so that's like, I'm just like, okay, you, you could try something better. So sure. that's my yeah. feeling. On uh-huh. Um, did you have any other negatives or anything else you wanted to say about the film? Um, I think one of the scenes that I noted actually is sometimes there was a, this bit where Cunningham steals the money, uh, and sort of hunts down McDonald. Um, I thought worked very well. You've got this effective scene of a village singing community. It's all lovely and romantic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's really Highland and Gallic, isn't it? Um, And then you cut to this chasing down of of McDonald. I think that worked really well for some reason. I just liked it. I think that's, that's all, really. The only other thing I've got about clothing is that the Redcoats have great Mm -hmm. hats. Mm. great hats i don't know if you notice you them. you love a hat i really do like a hat and they're lovely i mean they're extraordinary they're sort of conical with sort of embroidery on them you know i, I think and I'm, i want one of them another well sorry carry on no you go ahead it's a very serious point point i'm about to make alison mcdonald looks awfully like frodo doesn't he oh yeah i mean a little bit yeah awfully like frodo i kept on Imagine he'd say, Frodo, Mr. Frodo, or we're going to Mordor, Sam, or something like that. But he doesn't. Disappointing. Go ahead. Keep your secrets. <laughs> also, um, then there's a bit at one point, which I did find a bit funny. I'm sorry. Not for the right reason. So there's a bit where they've got Rob Roy. They've put him in manacles and they're pulling him along behind a horse on a rope and it's terrible he's falling down and scratching his little face and oh it's awful and he's got really barked his shins a couple of times really very nasty uh meanwhile in the background all the british soldiers are running along as well so why is rob making such a fuss to be honest i mean to be honest he's got a horse helping him along anyway that was one these are obviously incredibly important filmmaking points i'm raising at this point um i really loved when when he he turns on montrose at his like his nice country home and so he pushes cunningham on the floor um 
But it's just, it's odd. He literally just shoves this man to the ground and then he just lies there in the grass. Right. And <laughs> I don't know, he just kind of falls with this thud. And <laughs> this is this is your like, you like I already know later that you're getting the, that incredible sword fight at the end. So it's like an odd, oh, it's like you pushed him into a locker. Um, <laughs> just like little dweeb just shoved on the ground and then he just turns and runs away um, as the and Montrose is like quick Calais call the guards so then like he's like what do I do so you've got all these guards coming and the horns like blaring and it's just Rob just running off into the bushes um, it's just not no, it it's not that cinematic it doesn't hit the, hit the right tone yeah but there is there is so much good stuff and I think we'll talk about a few more of the performances but um the bit when he jumps off the bridge with the rope. Oh, yes. It's very good. Very good indeed. Very effective. And it's so much more interesting to have a villain who ends up scarred, but through the actions of the storyline, rather than they just have scars from being a villain yes. prior. Um, these are now the markings of this combat between the two of them to develop. Um, what did you think of John Hurt? What did you think of Brian Cox? I, I mean, they're both just... Brilliant, are they? I mean, John Hurt's very John Hurty. I was getting, he was channeling Caligula for me quite a bit, mm. but he was fan, he was fantastic. Really loved him. And Brian Cox was, you know, again, there's a little bit of subtlety about his character. You know, he's not quite as bad a man as, as everybody else. But, you know, as the kind of factor who goes around collecting everybody's rabbits, uh, you know, it was just superb. I really like both of them. Lastly, does Liam Neeson carry the film for you? Does he work as Rob? Yeah, he works. Okay, absolutely <laughs> so, fine for me. Does he not for you? No, no, he he does. I just think um, it's always interesting if the villain of a film feels more prominent than the lead. Sometimes I don't really know much about Liam. What's his name, Liam? Neeson. Neeson. Neeson, yeah. Uh, I don't really know much about Liam Neeson. Everybody goes on about him. I don't think I've watched that many movies with him in. I've probably watched more than I, th- I thought, but he's never really, um, he's not like Tom Cruise. No, no, he's not, I guess. Have I mentioned how much I love Tom Cruise? Uh, we, we need to do, maybe we should do The Last Samurai. <laughs> oh, yes. <gasps> I love that movie. Okay, I think we should take a break uh, before we talk about the history. Um, So I guess it's time to hear a sponsored message. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. Um, now we're going to talk about the history. So David, what I wanted to ask you is, did you know about Rob Roy before this film? Did his legend precede him? Actually, no, I did not know about him specifically. I hadn't heard about... Obviously, I'd heard Rob Roy, but really in the context of film and no. So mm-hmm. without blathering, no. 
And then just kind of for my intrigue, and I guess we talked about it a little bit last time, do you prefer learning about the truth behind the myth and uncovering the individual or reveling in the storytelling of their legends? That's quite interesting, a rather difficult to answer. I mean, because I'm going to say, I'm going to squeeze out and say both. Um, yep. It depends a little bit on who the character is. So mm. actually, when I read up a, bit, a little bit about Rob, the real Rob Roy, uh, it was very interesting, not necessarily for his life particularly, to be honest, uh, but because his real life was very much a Highland story. Um, you know, cattle raiding was part of the Wefton Warp, the hierarchy and the enormous power of Scottish magnates, you know, is just out of all proportion, even, you know, far greater than English uh, nobility, absolute power of their communities. So those relationships are interesting. Um, so it, it's very interesting. His life is part of that Highland story. And, and, you know, the thing about Highland history that actually they've, even in those big events that we talk about, like, you know, the 15 and the 45 and the civil wars, wars of independence and the British civil wars, the Highland clans cared far more about what was going on in the Highlands and their warfare between, you know, the MacDonald and the MacDougall in the civil wars and wars of independence, the Campbell and the MacDonald in the British civil wars, um, you know, the various eddies during the 15 and the 45. Uh, and it kind of played in, you know, they, so it played into that story when I read the actual story of Rob Roy. Things like Jeddart Justice when James the Fifth, I think, goes down to the borders and hangs all the reavers without trial because, you know, just to reestablish some kind of lowland-oriented order. Um, mm. I'm, so I'm blathering now. But... Um, so as a, as an individual, it's not like a Cromwell, uh, you know, here is a massive character controversial who has a, an impact on history. One of what many ways, just an interesting example of, uh, Highland history. Did I answer oh, the question? Answer. Yeah, I think so. Really? Um, it was just, it was enjoyable to listen. To. Thank you. Um, you're enjoyable to listen to too. Wolf. <laughs> I, I think in this example, it's, it is enjoyable to learn about history from this, like the slow mythologizing of this real person, um, because it gives you a sense of how important they were to the people around them. Um, yes. If he was not an important individual who didn't do meaningful things, if he was not charismatic or, I don't know, didn't people weren't afraid of him, he, this myth wouldn't develop. Um, so there's, there's truth in in amongst the myth, which lets you know that this is a fairly important figure and he's a little bit mysterious and he, a little bit like a Robin Hood. And we wouldn't have these myths if there wasn't some kernel of kind of truth in there. Um, and it's, I find it enjoyable to think about people whispering or not whispering, but just like telling these stories of his escapades around the fire. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I think there is kind of a truth in in the way it's presented that uh, Highland society was very much about the clan and the chief, and the chief's power is almost untrammeled, maybe a little bit by um, uh, by law, but um, you know, there's no 
consent taxation clan chiefs can tax what they like their power is very absolute and so the story being around Rob Roy and his sense of responsibility to look after the clan and make sure they're all right and they're provided for I think is you know an interesting insight good 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 um well I will dish a little bit of the history um so Robert Roy McGregor was born in 1671 and he lived until 1734 he set off to war, I think for the first time, age 18, uh, to fight in the Jacobite uprisings of 1689. Uh, he did that alongside his dear old dad. And then as the film mentions, his dad gets jailed, presumably before this, and spends two years in jail. And they talk about that, so a little bit of accuracy. Um, he's a respected cattleman and spends much of his time protecting the lowland gentry's herds from robbers um, and Apparently, this was fairly commonplace for Scottish clans at the time. And so, again, this is his introduction. It's all kind of ticking through various facts, setting him up. Uh, Rob Roy and Montrose had like a 10 to 12-year relationship where he would borrow a £1,000 every year and he would do his trek with his castle and he'd make all the money and he'd come back. And that worked pretty well for a long time. It was only in the last year that the money went missing. And... The, I think the general consensus is that it was one of Rob's men that stole the money, which is interesting because they obviously they hint at that in this film, and that is kind of the the red herring yeah. of the story. Um, so there's some truth in there. So that's nice to see how that's played with. Um, and then other people do believe that Rob maybe took the money himself, again, which is claimed in the film. Um, but in this film, that would be such an outrageous accusation. Rob would never do something so dishonorable. But in real life... I think he's a bit of a different character and it's it's much more likely that he could have just taken the money. But the result of this failed deal does lead to this long blood feud um, that runs up until around 1722. I did read one thing that suggested that um, Montrose doesn't seize Rob's estates like he does in the film, um, but maybe even purchase them uh, and that they were forfeited through his actions in the 1715 Jacobite Rising. It does seem that Rob's involvement in the uprisings causes him a lot of problems um, and various like legislature is implemented, which I'll get to in a second, which kind of is always keeping him on the back foot. So it wouldn't surprise me that they would maybe take away his estates for being this rebel. Uh, one of the main things in the film, well, one of the main things that the film doesn't cover is that kind of through the time span of the film, Rob is involved in multiple uprisings. He, Go, so he fights in the 1715 uprising. Uh, then he fights in the, I think, 1719. Is that the next one? Uh, yes. Uh, well, the Battle of Glenshiel, um, where a British government army and allied Highlanders defeat a force of Jacobit Scots, supported by the Spanish. So, yeah. Yeah, he's under the protection of the Duke of Argyle at that time, um, which is, I think, referenced in the film and kind of suggested that he does have this protection from Argyle. Um, so there's there's lots of elements of truth kind of weaved into this story, but they're making a much smaller film out of this um, much larger life. Obviously, in the film, Mary is assaulted. There is a story um, that Mary was possibly assaulted, um, most likely by Killen, because Cunningham is an entirely fictional character um, that wouldn't have been a part of anything. But then in other stories later on, Rob captures Killen and keeps him hostage, but apparently treats him fairly courteously. So the suggestion is, well, if you're the one who 
raped his wife, that's probably not going to be the case. Otherwise, he he wouldn't have left um, your care so nicely. And Mary didn't didn't become pregnant and have another child, at least not in the context that the film is suggesting. I think six years later, four to six years later, is when she has another child. Um, so there's no real link there. Generally, in summary, my feeling is that a large chunk of history is squashed down mm-hmm. and edited into this much smaller, tighter story that reflects the kind of dreamlike qualities of this man's life. A little bit how Cromwell is presented, this man has very strict um, beliefs and views, and that kind of that all ties into honor. Um, he cannot be a dishonorable man. And in order for the film to present him as totally honorable, they have to hide all of the potentially dishonorable acts he would have carried out, which is why they don't show him, you know, raiding um, Montrose's rents. It doesn't show him like robbing his cattle. It doesn't show him fighting against the English in these various uprisings. It doesn't show him doing anything that could be misconstrued by the audience. Mm. And so as a result, what I think you get is a character in Rob who actually doesn't do a lot. He does a lot of talking, but he often is so wary about making a bad mistake or doing a dishonorable act um, and damaging his reputation that even when this blood feud is kind of carrying on, he's more likely to go and hide in the hills than get involved in something that could cause more problems for others. Yeah. And I think if I have like one problem kind of having looked at some of the histories and it comes across in the film as well, that it just isn't the, the kind of, fun romp that I wanted yeah. and it's all a little bit tame and a little bit sanitized so that it can be palatable for like all audiences. It's true. It's there's none of the outlaw thing is there. Yeah. And he was outlawed at uh, certainly one stage. Um, it does refer to the fact that he does cattle raiding, um, mm-hmm. you know, that he's also uh, robs and steals. Oh yes. It was in the past and, He's learned not to do it anymore. Yeah, sort of thing. Um, so it is. In, it, I think you're right. It does sort of sanitize it. But on the other hand, as a benefit, you know, the problem we talked about last time with Cromwell, that there's just too many notes. There's too much plot to make mm-hmm. any of the characters breathe. The fact that it's a slice of life allows the characters to breathe and makes for a yes. drama. Yeah, and I, I think you're completely right. I I don't really have a problem with it excluding a lot of this history. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a mark against it. Um, my, because yeah, it, creates this, it's, it creates this tighter story. The fictional character of Cunningham is the best thing about the film. Mm. And the I think it uses history nicely to uh, layer and kind of create this uh, structure around which to tell its story. I just think the the like... Yeah, the sanitizing of Rob to make him just more kind of one note and really to not not give him too much complexity at all um, is kind of the just one downside mm. of the film. Yeah, I mean, I I agree that it's not rigorously historical, historically accurate, uh, but it isn't doesn't wander that much from the truth. Just downplays and squishes some things. Um, do you think that the film is as nationalistic as Braveheart? No, and it was quite interesting because I was all prepared to be um, outraged by the 
potential anglophobia and it wasn't really there i mean there is something in the the fact that archibald cunningham very scottish name turns out to have an english accent and the baddie the baddies both have english accent where the goodies have scottish accents and that um you don't see montrose's men coming and doing the raiding for some reason i know not why they're british redcoats but really it doesn't great and i think also probably plays into a story about which is similar in england actually you get this division between town and country or court and country of the big magnates and being kind of evil dissolute um greedy whereas in the country the honest folk and their leaders are you know good and pure and godly um and there's a sort of very similar thing of course lowland society had been extremely antagonistic in scotland towards the highlanders since about the 14th century it's a key fault line of scottish history between the barbarous highlands and the civilized lowlands in the in the lowland terms and it kind of plays to that that these big lords have sort of acquired this lowland patina and that makes them bad but it's particularly interesting that argyle who in many uh, scots highland scots minds of course is a baddie in a major way because the campbells seized a lot of land and they came in after the the mcdonald's romantic lords of the isles who have managed um then this they're very much the goody uh honorable sort of magnate and there of course is dressed fully in tartan tip toe so there's a bit of that but that's perfectly legitimate national myth it seems to me you know mm-hmm. it, it's absolutely fair game i didn't feel hey this is just dripping in anglophobia and you know so no i didn't think it was that nationalistic and look they passed up the chance of him being involved in the 89 the 15 and the 45 well not the 45 obviously um you know so gosh you know there was an obvious opportunity for them to do all of that brave hearty stuff yeah and to be honest it, it gives you what you what you want when you go in like if i want to go and watch this um, heroic Highland myths movie. I want the Celtic music and the scenery and the tartan. Yeah. And you want that pride. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. The, this, yeah. the British guy is going to be the villain. Like this is going to be fun. Yeah. Um, they don't hit you over the head with it. it you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of there, but you know what, what Yeah, I know. I think it is very good in that regard. Um, do you have anything last that you would like to say on the film? I'd like to give you the feedback of a member of the family who shall remain nameless. Uh, mm-hmm. So we watched it together having a pizza because Jane was somewhere. And um, yes, so I asked Rob, at the end of the film, I asked uh, this family member who shall remain nameless uh, what, he th- what he thought of it, uh, he or she <laughs> thought of it. Um, and he said, it's a bit boring a long silence ensued so i thought "Mm, maybe i should look for some detail on that uh so i said a bit boring interrogatively and henry replied thought about it and said not a terrible film so that's as much a review as i got from this 
family member who shall remain nameless. Uh, anything else I want to say about the film? I've mentioned the hats, which are, of course, the most important thing. Um, I don't know that there is, actually. I think we have said it all. Do you prefer it to Braveheart? Yes. And would you recommend it to anyone? Yes, I would. I think it's a great drama, uh, very interesting. Yes, maybe uh, this unnamed family member represents the truth in saying that it can be a bit boring because it does get a bit slow in the middle. But it kept my interest all the way through, uh, and I thought it was very good. The, The fight scenes, especially the one at the end, is very good. You get a real sense of danger. Um, I think it's great. No, it's a great movie. I'd really recommend it. Uh, what would you What would you rate the film? Uh, as a film, I'd rate it as an eight. Hmm. What would you? Yeah, rate I was. Wolf? I've possibly cheated and I've put seven point five. Oh, that is um, cheating. Come on, point five. Okay, point three two. It's because I. Seven feels too low and eight feels too yeah. high. Well, then, so that's why is the perfect. I've gone seven point five. Okay. I thought history again. It's just arbitrary, but I thought maybe like a six. Yeah, I um, six actually, but maybe that's a bit mean on reflect, reflection. But yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, just think it's the it's the we have to recognize there's a few like fictionalized characters, and then they've changed the personality of Rob like a, a fair amount um, to make him clearly the hero. Um, but no, I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, it was fun to rewatch and. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that they released it in the same year as Braveheart and then just people just didn't watch it that much. Yeah. Actually, one more th- thing actually just to reflect is I've never uh-huh. read the Walter Scott book, but of course, uh, you know, I think it was partly inspired by the book. As well as mm. And the book from, I've never read the book, but I've read the synopsis of what it was like. It sounds completely and utterly different. So, you know, there's something in there mm. about uh, history that it's nice that characters can be reinvented and reinterpreted and represented in different ways for different audiences um anyway it was interesting it was so very different by the sound of things to the walter scott version i bet that would be fun to read i don't know that walter scott is fun to read anymore actually i tried ivanhoe and i wanted to eat my shoes i was wondering if we should watch ivanhoe Maybe we should. Oh, it's terribly out of it. It's got lovely, lovely Anthony Andrews in it. Um, yeah, maybe we should. Maybe we should. It's a funny movie. It's a bit like, um, what's the Robin Hood, Errol Flynn Robin Hood thing? Okay. The same sort of shtick. Anyway, maybe, maybe we should. Well, I think we're done. Thanks for inviting me. No, uh, thank you for having me. It's it's so nice to be back. Um so again, everyone go on to the Facebook group and let us know uh, what you think about the film, if you've seen it before, if you haven't and you're planning to watch it. And then if you watch it, please let us know if you hate it or not. Um, and we're already planning what's coming next and then we'll have another episode in two weeks' time. Excellent. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Are you not entertained? Bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.